0: For me I didn't play until my senior year like I rode the bench super hard and I, I'm not saying I loved it but like I like I made the best bench atmosphere in the freaking country I was like if I'm not on the court like I am going to be the biggest hype woman I'm going to have the best celebrations we will be the best bench in the country and, and I was like if I don't go, get on the court whatever like those girls are better than me so I'll keep pushing them but like 100%.
1: I'm, oh, I'm I'm a hundred percent I'm I'm Maddie I'm Z I'm Johnny. it it it, it girls Tealer, I'm a lit girl. Podcast
2: with a couple it girls. Yes, I'm a lit girl. Podcast with a couple it girls. It girls. Oh, good. What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports, from the money line to point spreads to player props and more. This means you'll be able to place all kinds of bets, even live bets. Say you just have a feeling your favorite wide receiver in college football is going to get loose in the final minutes. Go ahead and live bet for him to score on the next drive. I promise you won't regret it. So start betting now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets. Win or lose. Visit FanDuel.com Mercury and make every moment more. Must be 21 and up and present in present Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-drawable bonus bets, which expires seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: All right, guys, I got a hoodie on today, and it's because fresh ball fall is officially upon us, and it's time to get in the spirit, guys. Go out and get your Manscaped kit with using the It Girls code. It Girls twenty for twenty percent off and free shipping. And guys, get those balls looking nice for fall. It's getting real cold out. You want to stay cozy. But use Manscaped to get yourself right for all those women or men in your life and use our code to get 15-20% off at checkout. What's up everybody and welcome back to another episode of the It Girls Podcast where we're just telling the stories of winning women and our today's guest, if you don't know her name, you very soon will. This is Emily Eman with the Big Ten Network and um, she's been doing an incredible job covering volleyball and in tons, of, tons of other sports and um, it's been really incredible to get, see her career blast off. And so Emily... Thank you for having us on, and we're excited to get to talk to you.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm I'm pumped to be here. I've I followed you guys for a bit, and it's fun to see you elevate women in that way. And I mean, you guys are I also followed your college careers, obviously, and you're ballers, so it's it's fun to get to get to catch up.
1: No, absolutely. Um, and for our guests that don't know, we kind of had a cool connection because Emily knows the guy who kind of helped it girls come to be. His name's Adam, but yeah. um so Adam texted us and was like, you guys should have Emily email on the podcast. And Z and I were like, how the heck did we not think of that? Like we have seen her everywhere. So um, without further ado, Emily, since we know who you are, but obviously not all of our guests do, or all of our audience does, um, give us like your, your one minute elevator pitch. Just tell us the basics and, and the stuff we got to know.
0: Yeah, so um, I'm Emily Eamon, as you said, and I'm a sports broadcaster. I do a variety of things. So my main job is calling volleyball games where I'm a color analyst for Big Ten Network, ESPN, and Volleyball World as well. And I also am a digital host for Big Ten Network, which is probably where you guys see my face, unfortunately, and hear my voice all the time. So I, um, I'm i a the main digital host for Big Ten Network covering every sport for the most part, but I also focus on volleyball. So I do a few weekly pieces, um, recapping whatever went on in the last week and and all of that. And then I also do some sideline reporting and hosting and other varieties as well. But um, I played volleyball at Northwestern, which is how I kind of got into the space and uh, studied journalism and wanted to be a journalist sports broadcaster since I was like 10 years old. So kind of just living, living my childhood dream right now.
1: That is so cool. That was like one of my first questions I was going to ask. Was this like a childhood dream, or was this a, a a career pivot? Kind of like I don't know what to do after college. So that's freaking awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. I was reading a story. Yeah, I, and it,
3: oh, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I was gonna say yeah. I, it, it's funny. So so many people in this industry get in in different ways. You know, some people come in at like age 40 because they either like I don't know finish a career and want to get into sports. I have literally known what I wanted to do since I knew this was a job at age 9. Uh, my uncle was actually a college basketball broadcaster for ESPN and I grew up in Bloomington, Indiana, so like Indiana University that was, you know, I grew up around it. I had family ties to a lot of different sports and I would watch my uncle come into town and do games and I would follow him around. I'd shout at the sideline reporters and I was like nine or 10 years old. Like I had, I didn't even know this was a job, but I remember following someone around and I think it clicked that I could stay in sports as a job, but I didn't have to be a, a coach or a player. Like I knew I wasn't, I mean, professional volleyball wasn't even a thing then I also was not good enough to ever even consider that, but I also knew I didn't want to be a coach. So I, it was a fun way to be able to stay in sports, but also not have to have the pressure of like playing or coaching. Cause I knew that was not what I wanted to do.
3: Yeah. I was going to say, I was reading the story about you and talking about you uh, running around assembly hall and your uncle and just talk a little bit about your uncle's influence on that. And I guess you kind of just hit it, but your uncle's kind of a big deal. Yeah.
0: yeah so yeah, my uncle, uh, he played basketball at Indiana. Um, he also coached under Bob Knight and he, I mean, Since growing up, my my family's from Bloomington. I grew up in Bloomington, and, like, Indiana University sports is, like, everything. You know, we'd go to game days, even when he wasn't coaching. Um, He ended up coming back to Indiana to coach, I don't even remember. It was, like, I want to say 2007, 2008, um, the remainder of the season when Calvin Sampson got fired and whatever. They brought him in. So he's only there for about a half a season, but I had cousins my age too. So it was me and my brother who three years older than me. And then I had cousins who were also three years apart, a girl, my age and a boy, his age. So we would go after school, after sports practice, whatever. And we'd go play hide and seek in assembly hall, like two, three times a week. And we'd like, you know, duck behind like the popcorn machines or like go in the locker room. And it was, I always think back and it's so crazy that I mean, that program is so big and well-known for basketball and, you know, they're kind of, I mean, they're not getting back to where they were, but they're getting better, whatever. But it's funny to think back and like these moments growing up where I didn't realize back then how cool it was to be doing these things. And now sometimes when I tell these stories, I'm like, wait, yeah, that's like, that's like really freaking cool. Like (laughs) I was a cool kid. Um, But no, he, he had such a big influence on me. And when he transitioned to broadcasting, it again just really opened my eyes to see that you can stay in sports and not have to be a coach or not have to be a player and I was always getting in trouble for talking growing up in class like all my report cards were like she talks too much and like (laughs) looking back I'm like all right guys I made a career out of it like come on
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is so awesome oh my gosh I feel that at a different level um you know it's so cool though when you said you said the playing hide and go seek around um assembly hall not even remotely as cool, but my dad was the varsity basketball coach at my high school. And when you're a kid, you just sure. think like that's the the biggest deal ever is like the high schoolers, mm-hmm. right? And then in your case you were looking at like college athletes, but we played we did the same thing. We would play hide and go seek. Um they had like a back room, you know, with all like the equipment of each sport, like in the closets and my me and my siblings would go up there and we'd play hide and seek for Hours like my dad would be like, "All right, time to go," and he like can't find the kids.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Then we'd like hide and be like, "All right, we're leaving." It's like, "All right, find us." (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good luck,
1: good luck. Um, so I guess obviously, so it was you, you and your brother and your two cousins. Um, yeah, that's awesome that you guys all lived in Bloomington. Was that a big Mm -hmm. part of your childhood? Is growing up with your extended family too?
0: Yeah, so they it was so he was actually only there for about a year. Um, because after that season they ended up hiring, he was kind of like an interim coach, uh, but they ended up hiring a full-time coach, Tom Green, who went on to have a lot of years there. But my extended family was also in Indianapolis, which is like an hour drive. So there are seven of us cousins, and I mean, they're all like my siblings. Like we grew up seeing each other all the time. Um, like I always say, I have one brother, but I always feel like I have six siblings because we were all so close and we're all within like four or five years of each other. Um, so yeah, it was it was so nice. I grew up, I mean, my family was so close growing up and we had so much fun and just so much nonsense as as kids.
1: That is awesome.
3: It, that's so cool. Speaking, speaking of your family, I read that your family is like super into rock climbing. is is that true like like, what what, how does that even start is that like a thing that you just go to a rec center and you're like oh this is fun and then now you guys are climbing el cap or something
0: yeah so i'm very glad you brought this up so yeah my brother is a rock star um so my dad was a big climber growing up and he he lived like everywhere he would live out west for a little bit and he ended up settling down in bloomington after uh he went to grad school at indiana but yeah, growing up, I mean, we like lived in the rock climbing gym. Like, we would go there all the time. Uh, we had it was like a local gym. My brother got really attached to it, like at a very young age. My my mom always tells stories of he. This is like a kid that needed to be a leash kid because literally he would go missing <laughs> at the drop of a hat. But when my mom would look for him, and this was when he was like three or four, so he was very young doing this. And when he would go missing, my mom would literally look up because she knew that he'd be climbing things. And that's, like, terrifying as a mother, you know? Like, you lose your kid and you're automatically looking up because you assume he's just on the top of a, like, building or whatever. But yeah, so he he got really into rock climbing and um, he's now lived in Yosemite National Park for the last, I think this is his fourth season there, but he worked search and rescue and he's a baller of a climber. Um, I mean, also the stories he tells from search and rescue are wild. Like, I mean, just the craziest like technical rescues on the side of a cliff or hiking out 15 miles and having to like carry someone on your back. So it's like, it's like crazy stuff. Um, But recently he's been into doing really big climbs. And so El Cap is one of, it's the biggest rock face in North America. It's one of the biggest in the world. It's also probably the most well-known in the world. Um, and he, I remember starting off when I was in high school. So he was, I don't know, maybe 20 years old. I remember him going to climb it for the first time. And his goal was to do it just, just to do it, like get it done, whatever. I think he did it in like 36 hours. And that's like, that's pretty crazy that he did it in that amount of time. And then it started getting lower and lower. So he eventually had the goal of, okay, I want to do it in 24 hours. Cause that's kind of like a big climber thing. Like if you can climb the nose of El Cap in 24 hours, like you're a big deal and it just got more and more, and he just climbed it in four hours and 50 minutes, which shattered the record of five hours and 50 minutes. Um, if what? you guys have seen the movie, oh, yeah, if you've solo. seen the movie, free solo. So, yeah, so that, that guy, Alex Honnold, he had set the record, I want to say like 10 years ago, at 5.50, and my brother broke it by an hour. Um,
3: no? So, yeah. hey.
0: Like, like it is a three thousand foot rock face. It is if if, if anyone's been to Yosemite, you know what I'm talking about. It's like genuinely the craziest thing, and he's he's just a baller. I mean, he's like he's six four and like as built and chiseled as it comes. Like he just shimmies up there. I don't know. And anytime I go out there to visit him, I'm like, great. I will climb up maybe twenty feet, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm good. Check. We're we're done.
1: <laughs> My mind is blown right now. Same. Same. That puts, like, any of our dreams, like, to shambles. Like, that is just, that's unbelievable.
3: The it's so funny. because was even thinking, for, like, like yeah. is your brother Alex handled? Then when I, when I was like, <laughs> you're like, is Free Solo about your brother?
0: <laughs> like, God, well, that's, that's also the crazy part because now, you know, to do stuff really fast, you're kind of taking a little bit of risk. Um, and I think part of it. I think parts of it, he's, he's not roped in. So that's a big, that's been a conversation we've had with him of like, we got it. We got to figure something out here, but no, he's like, he's a rock star. I'm literally so proud of him. And I mean, I, he's going to still continue to to do his thing out there and we'll we'll see what else he does. I just, we get calls every month and he's like, Hey, I just did this big thing. And we're like, how, how are you possibly doing this?
1: Okay. That was my next question though, is, is I know in free solo, he's, it's literally him and the rock. Is that what's your brother's
0: name? Uh, My brother's name is Nick.
1: Nick. Okay. Is that Nick's, is that what Nick's doing too? Like, is he doing it without a rope?
0: No. So he, he used a rope on this. uh, Most of the time he did, he did tell us there are parts of it where he doesn't. um, But for most of the time, yes, he's using a rope that that's a a world. He hasn't really ventured into that. We know of um, free soloing and we're praying to God that he doesn't venture into that realm. Um, but yeah, no, he's using a rope for the most part and being as safe as, well, being as safe as he tells us he is.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's no way you're not, he's definitely still getting the adrenaline rush, even though he's roped in. Oh
0: yeah. Well, they, I remember in Free Solo, they did that test on Alex Honnold and it was like, he literally didn't have the didn't like gene path. or whatever for like fear. Yeah. Like he yeah. do, they, they don't feel things. Yeah. That's can't relate. I fear a yeah, lot. <laughs> that's not me. I live in a, an apartment in Chicago with like four different locks and I still every night I'm like, I'm going to get killed. I'm going to get killed in my sleep.
1: <laughs> Felt. Felt. Oh my gosh. Well, on that note, like no, no. Well, your story is cool, but that's, that's pretty dope. I'm, I'm glad to be brought
0: He's way cooler than I am. Yeah. But
1: it's also crazy that you guys grew up in Indiana. Like he's a crazy rock climber from Indiana.
0: Yeah. I mean, they, they would go down. There's a, there's a big, it's called Red River Gorge. Um, yeah. and I think it's in Tennessee. Or it maybe goes into Kentucky even, yeah,
3: too. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah,
0: yeah, 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 so it's like, I don't know, a four hour drive from us. So they would spend weekends there a lot, like him and my dad or him and some friends. Um, but like, yeah, other than that, he's just climbing in a climbing gym. So I don't know, I don't know how it became so good, but he's man, he's a rock star. That's um, awesome.
1: So, okay, we'll go, we'll, we'll turn it back on you enough about Nick, but I'm glad he got his little spotlight there. Um, So Emily, let's like rewind, take it back. So you grew up in Indiana. Um, First of all, like, tell us about like how you grew up and how volleyball came to be um, your passion. And then with that, ultimately, like, why did you pick Northwestern um, to play at as well?
0: Yeah. So I um, actually started volleyball because my cousin that was living there at the time was really into it. And she was a year older than me. So I thought volleyball was like the coolest thing ever because my cousin played. And i I think I joined a club in like fifth grade and you know you're like nine years old playing on a 12 team and like you think you're really cool because you can get the ball over the net um, and I remember kind of it hitting in like middle school that where I feel like kind of most people do were like oh I'm actually like pretty good at this I think you know I might want to go play for like a bigger club or all of that but I remember just falling in love right away and mostly because when you're young and you're Like decent at something, you just obviously gravitate toward it and it's fun. And all your friends are playing. So you're like, well, this is great. It's like a social event. And I'm not bad at this sport. So it's awesome. Um, but I I I fell in love with it right away. And then in high school, um, I ended up switching clubs. I played for a local club in Bloomington that like wasn't very good and well known. And I kind of realized when I wanted to play in college around I think like sophomore year. I was like, okay, I need to go play for a better club because I'm not going to get recruited at this tiny club in Bloomington. So I ended up playing for a club in Indianapolis, Circle City, and I would I would drive up like, it was like an hour and a half both ways, like four times a week. It was just such a grind. And I also was a big track athlete. So I'd go straight from school to track practice to volleyball practice and get back at like 11 PM. And I think then I realized like I, I really got to focus on this volleyball thing and I continue to do track, but I would kind of miss some stuff. But eventually I always wanted to go to a good journalism program. I, Again, I've, I've known I wanted to be a broadcaster since I was about nine or 10. So I knew I wanted to go to a good journalism school, which left me at Northwestern um, I looked at Syracuse, Cornell, and Mizzou was really good at that time. So I didn't think I could play there. So
2: I didn't even consider it. <laughs> What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at FanDuel.com slash Mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports from the money line, to point spreads to player props and more you'll be able to place all kinds of bets and the bigger the underdog the bigger your potential winnings say you were to bet on your team to take down the number one team in the country you can even bet on the game to be decided in three overtimes if you wanted to seems like it'll be worth it in my book so start betting now on an app that's safe secure and super easy to use don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets win or lose visit fanduel.com mercury and make every moment more must be 21 and up and present in president kentucky first online real money wager only ten dollars first deposit required bonus issued as non withdrawable bonus bets which expire seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
0: so i kind of just scratched that one off um but i grew up going to chicago all the time because my mom's family is from up here so we used to spend a bunch of summers up here and northwestern was honestly kind of always my dream school I mean, I was always a good student, but I also, like, I couldn't have gotten on my own kind of situation. Um, but I, I ended up coming to a camp here, and it was, like, the first time I'd ever been on campus. And I remember the night before camp, I, I don't know how this happened, but I forgot my knee pads. I forgot my volleyball shoes. I forgot literally everything. Triggering. <laughs> and it's a But before, it's triggering.
1: Like, I, I'm, I'm getting like, sick. Oh my
0: <laughs> God. And, like, and to be fair, I, I pride myself in being, like, wildly organized and, like, I'm very type A. And I guess maybe not so much in high school, more so now. But yeah, fully forgot everything. Like, I didn't have anything going into this camp. And I think it was my it was my sophomore year of high school. And I'd, like, been talking to the coaches a little bit. So it was kind of one of those, like, okay, if they liked me, then we'll go on a visit and, and all of that. And I remember telling my mom, I was like, I feel like this is meant to be. Like, I probably shouldn't go to this camp. Like, I forgot all my stuff. And I'm really nervous. And I just, like, don't want to go. So we find a random Dick's Sporting Goods. She's like, you have to go to this. Like, you would be so dumb. We find a Dick's Sporting Goods, like, Five minutes before they close, we're like, "Please let us in." I buy like you know those giant croc-looking knee pads, like just <laughs> disgusting. And I go to this camp, and it went well, and, and whatever. I ended up going on an official, and I remember telling—we had a different coaching staff at the time—but I, I remember telling them that story, and they were like, "Well, thank God you like bought some knee pads and shoes because like we we want you to come play for us." And I like immediately—I um, remember getting the phone call, and like I just started crying, and I was like, yeah, "I absolutely." Um, would love to play for you guys. Like absolute dream school. Um, I I was a walk-on as well. I didn't, I wasn't on scholarship, but I was like, I don't care. Like we'll make it work. Northwestern is a very expensive school, but I was very blessed that my, my parents were able to kind of pull some money together and figure it out. Um, but that was, it was always my dream school. And we ended up having a coaching change my freshman year, which was, I mean, I, I liked the old staff, obviously that's why I committed there. Um, one of the reasons but the staff they had when I got there and the staff they currently have I mean Shane Davis is one of my favorite people on the planet I would run through a wall for that man I would take 90 bullets for that man like I, I had the best experience there and to be fair we were not a very good team at all we lost more games than I can count but I had genuinely like the best time and would not trade it for the world.
3: I really quick. I think you and Maddie's stories are eerily similar, and so I want her to share about that. But so yeah. Northwestern was actually like my first visit I ever took um, when I was getting recruited, really? and I, I was, wondered yeah, if you I were going to share this. I was thinking yeah, it. I was maybe like fourteen. I don't know. And um, we played at Wendy's. Was I there?
0: Maybe. Maybe. Probably. 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 We were like, yeah, yeah I saw you, I didn't like you, so I didn't commit. No, probably, <laughs> yeah, no.
3: <laughs> no,
0: no, no. But we
3: were playing at Windy City, and Shane, he's awesome, and Aaron Burch, he was there also, and so that staff was great. Yeah. Um, he's like, yeah, come visit while you're in town, so we go, and it's, like, middle of February. I'm from Dallas, Texas. Like, I've seen snow one time in my life. Like, Christmas yeah. in Dallas are, like, 75 degrees. Like, that's what I'm into. And we go, and I'm in Shane's office, and he's just asking me, like, hey, so, like, what are, like, the things you're looking for at a school? And I was, like, saying all, like, the, like, cliche things, I'm 14, and then I'm, like, I also, like, really care about weather. <laughs> and then Erin walks in, and she's, like, guys, come look, at it's blizzarding outside. And I was, like, yeah, no, like, I'm It's good. done. It's, it's done. done. Like, I really appreciate the time. I'm not coming to school. Here.
0: <laughs> but, yeah, Shane is the, awesome. It is. Oh, my God. It gets brutal there. Honestly, it's so crazy because everyone talks like summertime shy. Like, I can't overhype it enough. It's the greatest thing on the planet. But when you get into February, March, even April when it's blizzarding, like, get chills. it gets tough. like, yeah, if for for someone that didn't want cold weather, I you, you made a good choice.
1: <laughs> like, Emily, I was in uh, training in Chicago in July for two weeks. And I was we stayed like in the loop. And I was like, why are there so many spinny doors, you know, the doors you got to like walk around. And I mean every <laughs> building had the spinny door. And I I finally was at a coffee shop and I was like, "Why do you, why do you guys have a like a spinny door?" And they were like, "Because of the wind. You can't in the in the winter, you can't open doors because the wind is like a tunnel." Um and so they all have like
0: or, or the door will just fly open because it's so windy. Like oh. they, they literally won't. That.
1: Yeah. No, I'm from the north and it it is pretty brutal, but summers in in the north are ideal but way better than texas summers you can agree with
0: that z i'm someone like i need seasons i like i don't love the cold but like i need snow sometimes i need a good fall i need i need some change i can't just have like constant sunny i would go crazy no
3: i i i I will gladly sit in my 110 degree summers (laughs) (laughs) that is repulsive
0: are you are you are you a sweater
1: am i a sweater no no, I'm a sweater.
0: Yeah. Oh, Johnny the sweater. Okay. I thought you said me. No. Because like, I couldn't. I'm a sweater. Like I would. I went. I was in Dallas this summer um, for a volleyball thing, and it was like 110 every day, and I like, I like lost it. Like I would walk outside, and I felt like I was being choked. Like I, I was like, I actually, like, I hate, I hate it so much. I would so much rather be in like 10 degrees. And like bundled up and whatever, than just sweating my butt. Like I couldn't, that's I couldn't do so
3: it. I understand it, but I couldn't be more opposite. Like I would, I would just rather melt than be feeling like I am
0: freezing. And that's that's super fair. It
3: is. The people,
1: the people in California have it so made though. Like I I follow this influencer, and she was going through like a try on haul of stuff, and she was like going through some Vori clothes that she got from Vori, and she. I, like, had to turn it off. She had a sweatshirt on, and then she had, like, a light jacket. Like, I'm telling you, the jacket was, like, this thick. And she's like, I wonder if it'll ever get cold enough to wear this outside. I'm like,
0: oh, my God. Get out of here with (laughs) that.
1: If only you knew. If only you knew. (laughs) That makes me sick. Good times. No, Emily, back to your story, though. I, like, couldn't help but smile the whole time. Like, I don't know if you know, like, my story about how I went to Kentucky, but – it's actually ridiculous like i think we're we have the exact same path like kentucky kentucky is my dream school since i was like i don't even know 10 and um mm-hmm. i like basically begged them to go there i would like call craig all the time and he like wouldn't answer i'd send emails like wouldn't answer.
0: <laughs> um, you're just such a pest. You're like i will be going to this place so like, you might as well take me to that
1: i was like you guys might as well just start answering your phone um, and then eventually they saw me at camp. I went to camp. I was like, screw this. And then they must've kind of liked me because then they started answering the calls. <laughs> um, and I was also a walk on, um, my, it's it just like, it's crazy how everything works out. Like I was so worried about how I was going to pay for it. And, yeah. Um, and yeah. like getting a few scholarships of, of, um, or a few semesters of scholarship. And I don't know, it's yeah. just it was the best experience. Like I couldn't, I would run through a wall and 15 yeah. walls for Craig Skinner. Like he's yeah. the best.
0: When uh, w- did you start playing freshman year? Or like when did you start really getting in the lineup?
1: <laughs> That's so sweet that you just said that. Um, sophomore year, honestly, I started playing a little bit.
0: Well, I, um, I, I like walk, asking walk on Zach. Cause like for me, I didn't play until my senior year. Like I rode the bench super hard and I, I'm not saying I loved it, but like I like m- I made the best bench atmosphere in the freaking country. I was like if I'm 100%. not on the court, like I am going to be the biggest hype woman. I'm going to have the best celebrations. We will be the best bench in the country. And, and I was like if I don't go get on the court whatever, like those girls are better than me. So I'll keep pushing them, but like 100%
1: it is what it is. like the year we won the Natty. We called ourselves FTU. And then <laughs> FTU all- still that lives was- on. It lives on, but that was like the B side and we like beat the natty team, the natty champ team, like sorry, Z, but like a decent amount of time, like often, low key,
2: yeah,
1: low key. Um, but yeah. it was so fun because it was just like that we took pride in that, and it sounds like yeah. the same thing for you guys,
0: totally, yeah. I mean, I think. For us, like again, we didn't win a lot of games, so it was like a little bit different. But yeah, our like our B side was always so excited and hyped, and yeah, I mean, we were constantly pushing those girls. And again, for me, I thought I'm going to practice as hard as I can. I'm going to be. I kind of made up for it in other ways. Like I wanted to be the strongest in the weight room, so I was lifting the most. You know, I was like. God, I used to lift so much. Now I can't even think of putting like 10 pounds on my back. But like, that was, that was my thing. Like I was a, I was a freaking beast in the weight room. And then running, I was like, I'm going to be the fastest girl on the team. I'm going to beat every single person in sprints. Like I might not be the best passer. I might be passing like 20% in system, but like, I'm going to beat you in a sprint. <laughs> you can't
2: like,
0: pay me. I will be shanking. But... can't pay me. I'll be every ball, but if you want to, if you want to get in a race, like I'm going to beat the heck out of you.
3: Oh my god, that's amazing! I love you that. You guys are you guys are speaking each other's language right now, and I can feel it.
1: Yours too, Taylor. Though you're the, you're the same way. You're just really good at volleyball, so that helps. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you actually have the skill as well. <laughs> oh god,
1: Cut it um, out. okay, Taylor. I have I have a good question though, based on our conversation on this. Um, you know, I think like well, I know how you do one thing is how you do all things, right? So if how we how we are in the weight room, how we were on the bench, how we were as a student. That's how people are. If, if you're a certain way one way, then you should be that way for everything. So talk about how that's translated into your career now. Obviously, you, you, you care about everything you do a lot. So how, how have you seen your career take off because of that, that care that you've had for, for everything you do?
0: Yeah, I think, I think it just comes back to like, just having that innate, innate drive. Um, Again, like for volleyball, I knew I wasn't going to be, or wasn't the best in the gym, but I was going to make up for it in other ways. Like I was going to learn that scout so well, better than every single person. So in the off chance that I had to go in there and shift right and middle, back on a whatever, like I was going to have the biggest shift ever. Um, But I think just that like attention to detail and innate work ethic really translates to my job now because Starting off, I so I graduated in 2020, which was quite literally the worst time to break into sports. Like sports weren't happening. There were no broadcasting jobs out there also known as hiring. So when that happened, I I I kind of made a promise to myself like I'm going to figure this out even if there's no jobs. Like I'm going to make this work. And I ended up starting a web show um like similar to this. I would just interview Big 10 volleyball uh, coaches, uh, players, alumni, like people around the sport. Cause I was like, I'm going to make this work. Like, I don't care if anyone's going to give me an opportunity. I'll make one for myself. I'm going to push a door open. I I don't really care. So I started doing that and and pitching it to, I pitched it to a volleyball publication that picked it up. Um, And then from there, I just started pitching myself to a lot of different places. So I had a connection. I interned at Big 10 Network in college. I was just like a producer editor. So I literally edit videos. And I reached out to like anyone I knew there, um, pitching what I was doing and all of that. And I ended up pitching myself to athletes unlimited for the first year that they started. I had literally no experience doing anything except these web videos. And luckily they were looking for a digital host, but weren't willing to pay that much. And I was like, I'll literally do it for free. <laughs> like, I don't care. So I got like chump change and I spent, a, a eight weeks in a bubble in Dallas and, you know, like you're just like grinding all the time in this job. And I learned that pretty early on. Like this job is what you make of it. And the product is going to reflect how much work you're putting in and how much homework you're doing on these teams and, and all of that. And I started pitching myself to a lot of different people, big, I basically like forced big Ten network to put me on a game. Um, cause they also needed analysts, which, which helped me out. My first game was terrible. I don't know why they thought I could do what I was doing. Like I remember listening back, I think it was last year I did. And, I was like, how did you guys give me a mic? Like, this is disgusting. I'm, I'm so appalled, but whatever they saw potential, I guess. Um, but I, I think going back to the the question, I think it's just creating my own opportunities was big and just knowing and belief in myself that I could do it and having that drive and hard work to do it. And, and now where I'm at, like, I don't, I feel like I don't have that off switch, you know, even if I've had a team five, six times in a season, like, I'm prepping the same as if I didn't have them. And like I pride myself on how much I prep for games. Um, like I get a lot of calls from college students who want to be like a play-by-player and analyst. And the first thing I tell them, I'm like, the game is the really easy part. Like you just get to talk about what you've learned over the last few weeks and watch this game unfold. But what goes into it is the important part. Like how much are you prepping? Like how much are you scouting these teams, like your calls with coaches and and all these things. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why my career is where it's at because I put in so much work behind the scenes. And like, honestly, like, I I feel like I'm in, I'm just in grind mode. Like I I'm doing 34 games this season and I have like back-to-back games in different States and all this stuff. And like, I want to do as much as possible because I don't feel like I have that off switch.
2: What's up, sports fans? It's former NFL wide receiver, Stevie Johnson. The wait is finally over. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is now live in Kentucky. And new customers can get in on the action with $200 of bonus bets guaranteed. When you place your first $5 bet, just sign up at fanduel.com slash mercury. Finally, you can bet on your favorite sports. From the money line to point spreads to player props and more. You will even be able to bet on your team's total number of wins for the year with it being the last year of divisions in the SEC this is the year the cats win the East. Ride with me and place a bet predicting the cats to win the East. So start betting now on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Don't miss your chance to win $200 of bonus bets. Win or lose. Visit fanduel.com mercury and make every moment more. Must be 21 and up President present in Kentucky. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-drawable bonus which expires seven days after receipt restrictions apply see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER
0: and to be fair like you know you get tired and you get worn out but at the end of the day when I'm doing something that I love so much and have such a passion for it like I'm I'm just so all in that's so cool that's awesome
3: and I think um what your job is incredible and honestly it's like something that i've dreamt about doing for a really long time and so i think it's really awesome to hear you talk about it that way and that passionately yeah. and i think the preparation you talk about is so incredible because i think it's crazy how often you listen to games and you listen to these broadcasts and these people just get so many things wrong like names wrong And it's like you've had so long to prepare for this and that's your job yeah. you're getting it wrong and i think that's such a crucial part of it so i think that's really awesome and inspiring
0: it's like Well, thank you. I think I think part of it, too, is like you're covering these athletes like you're like I'm not the story here. I'm telling your story. So if I'm telling a story and I don't know how to pronounce your name, like that's very embarrassing and disrespectful, like just ask someone how to pronounce their name. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Little little things. Again, I think it's part of that just like attention to detail that sometimes like goes unnoticed by people. And in this job. Like you you just can't you can't do that if you want to be if you wanna be good at it and move up. Like you have to pay attention to detail. You have to you gotta grind for the first few years. Like you gotta you gotta know your stuff. Um because yeah, I can't I can't explain how many times I've listened to volleyball broadcasts and just been like, What are like what are you talking about? And and I know I'm sure people listen to me sometimes and they're like, What is she talking about? Um, but like if people are saying that, I hope it's not because I don't know someone's name or you know, things like that. Like the stuff that I'm getting wrong. Maybe I'm messing up what happened in a play. Fine. I do that all the time. But, like, I'm not going to mess up your name. I'm not going to mess up coaches and, and any of those details. I'm Like, I try to be very disciplined and, um, like, very honed in on.
1: Awesome. That's yeah. awesome. I always text Z, like, when I'm That's watching awesome. their matches now, and I'm like, oh, this one said your name wrong. Like, because <laughs> I know she'll be like, what the heck? Like, I've been playing for – Seven years now, no offense, five years, but
0: round well, it up. <laughs> yeah, especially, and to be fair, like, Ajani, you're a, like, big-time player. Like, if someone's messing up, you're, like, that's crazy to me. Yeah.
3: I appreciate Cheers. that. <laughs> um, you, uh, you were saying that, like, the game and the game unfolding is the really easy part, and um, something that's gone viral in the past few weeks since it happened was that rally that we played against Nebraska, and you were on the call for that. That rally was what a minute and forty for was, thirty seconds long. And- yeah, it was
0: like I want to I want to say like one twelve, which even to get to a minute's insane. Like
1: Z was on the ground. Well, you know what? Z was on the ground like twelve times during the rally. That's ridiculous as a middle. Yeah.
3: <laughs> there, was I, there was one point where I was like, "How am I on the ground again?" Like I remember thinking that. Like, "How are you here?" So <laughs> I. But like, what was your question? Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Well, I was gonna flip it back on you because I think you were gonna ask me about it, but I I just had to sit there and watch it unfold, and I was out of breath, and I didn't have to do anything. Like, take me through that and and explain what the heck was going on and how exhausted. Have you ever been that tired?
3: <laughs> the answer is actually no. I've never been that tired in a in a match in my life. And every single time someone made a play, I was like, surely, like this is it, yeah. and it just was like never it. Like Harper Murray is. The ball, Lexi Rodriguez sent like from forty feet off the sideline. Harper Murray swings at it, and I was like, first off, she's gonna be insane because freshman Z would never swing at that ball. No she one swings at it.
0: No one swings right, at that ball, and she's just like, yep.
3: Timing's impeccable. Hand contacts, or er, Lexi Rodriguez making one arm plays. Their setters making plays, rebos from the back row, and every single time I'm like, why is this still going on? Why is this still going on? And then my legs start to burn finally Harper hits up off the block and it lands and I just like take a lap like I like I can't celebrate I can't look at my teammates like I can't even breathe so I just walk around and Reagan Rutherford's like Z, come in the huddle come in the huddle and I'm like Rebo you gotta give me a second cause I cannot breathe I can't breathe it was really crazy it was crazy I,
0: like I just genuinely like I, I, I think about long rallies and like me as a libero yeah long rallies like yeah you might have to dive a few times obviously you get tired whatever but I cannot imagine as an outside or a middle, like in long rallies, even in like three to four, like rally lengths. Like I, the amount of times you guys have to jump in that, like I was just so shell shocked and like my jaw was literally on the floor because I was like, I I know everyone's conditioned and like, great. But that was like a different level of like, that was a next gear of like, I'm just, I'm locked in and this ball is not falling. And those are also the rallies where like you just want both sides to win because you're like, ah, oh, that was so fun. <laughs>
3: totally. Yeah. I would like to say, this is probably biased. I think that the pancake that they made on their side of the net was down. Was
0: down. Pancake was down.
3: Thank you. Wait. I'll say it, but pancakes uh, are
1: so hard. Um, because you they're really hard to overturn. Like to challenge them is kind of silly because yeah. it's like it's like fifty fifty as to whether it's a it's a it can be overturned, right?
0: Well, uh, yeah honestly, yeah you rarely see pancakes overturned unless it's like really obvious, but the cameras are never i mean I will say Nebraska has probably the best cameras that I've seen, but even then like they're so tough to overturn but based on the looks that we saw, I also thought it was down um I also think honestly I think they threw that challenge just to give you guys like a second to breathe because who wants to go into the yeah. next play <laughs> yeah
1: no not I not yeah. I well this yeah. is actually this is <laughs> actually a funny story only off of that um Z, you're gonna. Neither of us were on the team, but it was, um, twenty the year before we came in. So like 2019, Kentucky lost to Nebraska in the in the tournament. I I don't know if it was like round two or something, but
3: elite eight. Eight. Oh
1: dang! Wow. Okay, I didn't know it was elite eight. So they're in the elite eight. They played Nebraska. It was like a close. It wasn't a close game. They got. I think they lost in four. Maybe I'm saying all the details wrong. Anyways, Lexi Hill had a pancake, and they posted like. A few months later, like National Pancake Day and the picture of Lexi. Right. And wait, did I say, what did I say? Lexi son, right?
2: It's really (laughs) awesome.
1: No, Lexi's son had a pancake and um, she like quote tweeted it a few months later and was like, "Um, if only they knew it wasn't a pancake or something like that. But it it, Uh yeah, and I think they lost the set. 20 like it was like 0. .25 like to get 26. You know what I mean? It was a it yeah. was a game changing play. Um and so I remember like we were in the group chat when she, t- quote tweeted that and the whole team was like mm, 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 you know
0: crazy. Oh, my God. I would have lost it. That's <laughs> so tough. I, also, I mean even back like back then challenge rules were different. I don't even know what the challenge rules were then, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's no way they would have overturned it regardless.
3: And you didn't get those back back then. Now like there was like seventeen challenges in our match last so year, and I was like, "How do coaches still have challenges?" But I didn't realize like we're getting them back if we win, which makes yes, a lot yeah. of sense. But that's like bad. Yeah, yeah. Then. That, that there there should never
1: be that many challenges because there's that many plays that are called wrong. Then
0: from a well, also I think like I also think if a call stands, you should be able to get that challenge back because they just don't have enough to like overturn or whatever. And I, I you know whatever I have a lot of problems with a lot of things but that's one where i'm like if it stands like it's not your fault that they couldn't see well enough like you should get that back yeah
1: i'm with that i agree um i can ask a question taylor unless you wanted to okay i'll go i
3: have a question but (laughs) go for it well emily one of your um in one of these articles i saw that you were written about um it was you talking about how obviously you love sports but one of your Big missions is destigmatizing mental health in the athletic yeah. space. where did that root from and when did that start, and how does that look for you in this job
0: yeah i uh, I appreciate you bringing this up because a lot of people you know still don't want to talk about it um, again it's wildly stigmatized and I think for me when I started to really think about it was probably college um, I don't think a lot of high school high schools or high school athletes high school coaches really anyone in that space at least at the time. Really talked about mental health in that way. And I remember when I got to college and I, I was lucky enough to not really struggle too much myself, but there's a lot of people around me that were, because I think it's, College is so difficult. You know, you're coming in freshman year, um, especially as an athlete. There's so many different areas. So it's hard enough just coming to college anyway. You're probably away from your parents for the first time. School's really hard. Um, it's just an adjustment anyway, like making friends, all the stuff. Then you add athletics onto it. And anyone coming into college was probably the best in their high school team, the best in their club team, whatever. And you're thrown into a group of people and you're at the bottom of the barrel again. And it's a really difficult transition. You're also just tired all the time and don't get to like see friendly. The only people you see is your team. And if you like them, great, but you still get exhausted by them and you know, all the, all the things. So I think, you know, freshman year and really as college went on, you could see, you know, things happening to people that, You, I didn't see in high school, and you know, you would see people, um, you know, going through depression and getting diagnosed with anxiety and all these things, Um, and it really opened my eyes to okay, there's so many people dealing with this stuff, and it's not just something that happens to a select few people. Like it's kind of the majority of of athletes, at least some point in their career, um, it seemed to me that that we're going through it, and the fact that I think there was at least at Northwestern there was a stat like only 10% of people seek help about it, which was crazy to me that, I mean, I, I went to a therapist in, in college and I, you know, I, again, I wasn't struggling too much, but I still like would go through bouts where I wasn't like feeling good about certain things or whether it was play related or not, um, that I just wanted someone to either like bounce ideas off of, or just like help me talk through some stuff that was an outside source. And it was just crazy to me that a lot of people either didn't know those resources were available or chose to not use them even when they were struggling. And it's just something that could help them in the same way that we go to physical therapy to, you know, deal with a knee injury or fix your shoulder. After every practice you're in there using recovery boots or cold tubbing, like, why aren't we doing that for our head, which is objectively way more important than our body in some ways. Um, So I think for me, I ended up joining a, it was like a facet, um, of our athletic department. It was called purple. It was like peer mentors. I don't know what it all stood for, but basically it was like a mentorship type thing. And one of our missions was destigmatizing mental health. And I kind of took charge of that. Um, and we had, at the time, it was called the green bandana project, um, to spread awareness of mental health and just the resources that were available. And we like wrote and produced some videos about it within our athletic department. And it kind of became a big thing it was really cool to be in charge of that because I remember after we had this campaign year after year, the numbers of student athletes like seeking help and going to see a therapist or mental health professional like skyrocketed. And it was so cool to see that, you know, even if people weren't struggling um, just like to fine tune their game or to fine tune their mind just in the same way that we do with our bodies every single day. um, That was something that was, was really cool in college. And and now I, th- I think we're at a place where people are talking about it a lot more. And now we're seeing athletes talk about it a lot more. You know, we have the Naomi Osaka's, we have Simone Biles, you know, all these athletes that are, are really talking about it and bringing it to light that they're also going through the same thing. And they're at the pinnacle, like the best athletes in the entire world, you know, best athletes of our generation are going through the exact same things. And it's so cool to see. And it like, it make, I feel like it makes me proud to be an athlete in some ways because you're like, you get it and you're opening the door for so many younger athletes or even, even not even athletes, just people in general to seek help or to take a break or to, you know, have some me time or whatever that looks like to you. It was just really cool over the last few years to see that space grow in a way that is really progressive and just helping so many people.
1: That's so cool. That's really cool. I'm like, we, uh, yeah. at Kentucky, we had damn worth it, um, which sounds like it might be similar to your green bandana campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there there were some stories that were brought to light of like our peers and within the athletic program that we would have never known, right? Like they would never have talked about unless that that space was there for um, them to do so. So I, I think it's really needed and I'm excited. It's not the right word, but I'm hopeful. I guess I'm hopeful that, mm-hmm. Um, it's going to keep going in the right direction, I would say. Yeah.
0: Yeah, feels like it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, that's really cool. So I guess a question I had, um, going back to, or we can say on the topic of health, I guess something that like I'm struggling to work through right now is when you have a career outside of sports, yours is yours is in sports, but you're not having to take care of your body every day. Right. So, and I know as a broadcaster, your schedule, you have about this much control over your schedule. Right. Um, when you have to be somewhere, like you have to be somewhere when you have to eat, you have to eat. So how are you now figuring out how to both like juggle your health and also, um, your career, you know, like right now I'm like getting, I feel like I'm not getting enough sleep or I'm not eating right. And it's because like, I don't have that much control over my schedule. I'm, I'm just wondering if you feel the same or not.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm laughing because like, I'm still figuring out the whole work-life balance thing. Like it's, it's pretty crazy. And, and not even just in this job, but just, I think in life, like right now, I, I literally feel like I'm planning out like when I can go to bed and when I can like sneak in a meal, like in between hopping on a plane and going to, you know, wherever. And then the next day turn around and all this stuff, work-life balance is so difficult in this job. It's also interesting because This job is very cyclical in a sense of like in the fall I'm wildly busy from August to basically New Year's and then January February I don't have a lot to do like I'm traveling all the time and I get to sleep and like finally work out and all these things so I go through phases where I'm so busy for so you know for months at a time and then it all just kind of stops and for me like I have a I have a big difficulty mentally with change and so when I'm entering those periods of whether it's right before the season starts and I know I'm going to be really busy. Like I just kind of have a mental freak out of like, Oh my God, I'm going to be so busy for three months and I'm not like mentally there to handle it. And then once I get in it, like I'm, I'm fine. But then when the season ends, I have a really hard time slowing down. And I think part of that is, is from being an athlete. Like when the world, when the world stops in a sense and I, and I'm not busy every day and I don't have to be on my laptop for 10 hours a day and, and hop on a plane and all these things. Like I have difficulty just sitting there and, like being bored. Like I I always have to be doing something. Um, and I'm trying to figure out that work life balance not only in season when I actually just don't have time to do things, but when my season ends and figuring out how to be comfortable with not being busy 24/7. So I'm I'm figuring it out. I will say I I think this season I I feel a lot better like mentally than I have in the past, mostly because I think I I've now just got into a rhythm of like how to prep and and travel and like call a game. Whereas the last two years I was still figuring it out and I have way more games than I did last season, but I feel better about it. And a little bit more, I guess, less stressed because I now have a rhythm and I, and I kind of know what I'm doing and I'm just in the groove of like, okay, travel game, travel home game, like all, you know, all of that. Um, But I am still figuring out the work life balance of like actually taking time for myself. And for me, this season, that's looked like when I get to, when I land at a place, like the first thing I do is work out because it's really hard to get in workouts nowadays. And this sounds really dumb, but w- when I work out, I have to wash my hair and I don't want to wash my hair every day. So
1: being am working out. Sucks. Being a girl sucks. I'll hang my horrible.
0: hat on that. Like it's horrible. It's like I, when I work out, I have to wash my hair and I can I don't have time for that. Like it takes a freaking half hour to blow dry. So I'm not like, I don't have time to do all that. So I only work out when <laughs> on hair wash days, which is like two days a week now because there's dry shampoo the whole time. So I'm trying to figure out how to like get in workouts, which make me feel so much better, um, but then also like sneak in, you know, naps and, and all this stuff. So to answer your question, I'm figuring out the work-life balance, have not fully figured it out yet, but you know, it's kind of just trying to take some time for myself. And I've been talking to friends a lot more, like any long car ride I have, I'll try to fill that with catching up with people. Um, but like work-life balance is really hard and it, it's you don't even have to be a sports broadcaster to to feel that I mean I have friends working nine to fives and they're trying to figure out you know the work-life balance himself and coming home and being tired not wanting to work out or you know cook a meal or see friends like working is exhausting like it's not stay in volleyball as long as you can because my god the real world is just like pff, it's non-stop for the next like 40 years and it hits it's a you. lot yeah
1: Emily that was literally my next question and like it's so it's so dumb but the working out piece has been really hard like post volleyball I love working out like I that is like mentally that kind of keeps me in the game but there's literally only 24 hours in a day and so like when I miss workouts I like get so mad at myself and I'm trying to get better about like okay like you're not training for something like you don't have to be in great shape so that that was my next question you work out what twice a week typically What, what do you like to do?
0: I aim for like three times a week, but like never really happens. Um, and I'm the same way. Like I, I will say, I think when volleyball ended, I was for probably like six months, I was still in the mindset of like, I'm working out every day. I got really into running. Um, it was great. And then I went through a period, I guess COVID probably sparked this, but I just like literally didn't want to work out ever. And I don't, I was in a good headspace. It wasn't like nothing was yeah. wrong there, but I just like didn't want to work out. I was like, I have been working out since I was 3 years old every day and like I'm so done with this and so I I don't think I worked out for like I don't know probably like 3 months I was like I don't want to touch anything like I'll go on walks but I was just like checked out which I think is super fair like I just needed a break um and then I got into running and then my hips and my back decided that I couldn't be into running so I stopped that and but I think it's really hard figuring out like when you're an athlete, your strength coaches, your coaches are telling you what to do at all times, every day. You don't have to make out a workout plan. They're telling you how many reps to do, what exactly to do. You get a demonstration. They're doing everything for you, and then when you're done, they're just like, "Okay, you have to figure it out for yourself now." Right. I- I've never had to do that in my life. I don't know what I'm doing. So you know, you can make workout plans and all that, but that would like, it's really difficult transitioning out of athletics and. One, having like the will to work out because it, it changes for people and it'll change, you know, for the same person like it did for me as, as you go on in life. But it's really difficult because you don't really know what to do. And sometimes you feel really burnt out of it, which is, again, totally fair. I think for me, what I've kind of I, I really do miss running and I wish I could run because that was like my favorite release. Also, it's fun to like for me, it was fun to see campuses and I could run around and all yeah. that um, but now, now what I'll do is I go to Orange Theory sometimes. Um, I recently just started pilates, and I I always, always joked that it was like the dumbest thing, and it's it's so hard. Like I, I leave that place and I I can't walk. Like I'm shaking yeah. so bad. Yeah, love no pilates. So it's so hard. I also will do like thirty minute hit workouts in my living room. Um, other than that, like sometimes I'll go on walks, and by sometimes I mean like once a month. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm loving the honesty I'm loving it no honestly this it, honestly this is gonna sound dumb but it just makes me feel better that I'm not alone because I sometimes yeah. you know I'm just like I gotta figure
3: this out but you gotta give yourself grace
0: do you know who, do you know Victoria Garrick yeah or do you know? I was
3: just gonna ask if you knew her because no. you started talking and I was like you can we like get
0: her Victoria on the pod right? Emily do you, like do you know her well Oh my God. No. If I knew oh her, God. I would have made that known no. right away. Um, no, I love her. Yes. Yeah, no, but she, I mean, I mean, one, obviously she's doing incredible things for the mental health space and all of that, yeah. but I know she has a, she actually has done a few podcasts on working out after having been an athlete. And I i don't remember if she had talked to like a professional or just telling her story, but it's, again, it's really difficult when you're done with sports to have the will to work out, try to figure out what to do, all these things uh, but she's a really good podcast about it and or like one episode about it that she like constantly links in her Instagram stores and whatnot. Cool. But I would say to any athlete, like even before you graduate probably even better to listen to then, but it's so relatable and just makes you feel better because we're all going through the same stuff. You know, it's difficult transitioning out of, out of being an athlete. So it's nice to have people in that space that are like well-known openly talking about it.
1: Totally. And yeah. not to like be really vulnerable, but your body changes.
0: Like, oh my God. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that too. Like, well, even coming into college, I think that's part of it. Like you come into college, yeah. you have all your clothes from high school and you start lifting for a month and you put on a pair of jeans that don't even fit over your left calf. And you're like, mm, okay, well, 100%. this is different. Like I, I remember in college, again, I like, I made it a point to be like the strongest in the weight room and all of that. And nothing fit me like a month in. And that's, that does stuff to you mentally. Like they talk about freshman 15 and whatever but like it's legit and if you're a college athlete like you have to put on muscle like that's it's part of it and no one talks about the fact that that's really difficult to deal with mentally and then you go into the spring season you know it, it changes throughout the year too like during season you're not lifting as much so maybe um you know stuff fits a little better but then you're in the spring and you're like pumping you know 250 on your back and nothing fits you anymore but no one talks about it and then when you're done being an athlete that I remember from December until I want to say February, maybe even March. So like two, three months in, like I, I lost 20 pounds just from losing literally all my muscle. And it was, it was a craziest thing for me. Like, and I wasn't like, yeah, I lost 15 pounds, like whatever. Cause I don't, I don't like yeah. talking about like weight like that. But like, I, I just remember being like, this is crazy because I don't have, I don't have any muscle anymore. Like, I don't know what to do with my body this is really weird and a lot of people just like keep lifting and all that i i just couldn't i was i was over it but it's like it's weird mentally that that transition of like wow my my body like looks and just feels so different now that i'm done being an athlete so
1: different so different no it's it's crazy i know z's like i don't know how much z's body will change she hates when I say that but she that? might
3: have a six-pack
0: like Z you you what you, you squat what did what, what did we write down like you squat three three ten two ninety what was it
3: Three fifteen.
0: Three fifteen. my god girl yeah
1: no but Emily she like doesn't <laughs> like like to lift like if I'm like that's actually crazy. crazy like I would go do extra lifts and I would like she would just like come hang out with me or like go on the elliptical or something because like she doesn't like it <laughs>
0: That's so crazy to me. I uh, I think I got up to like two seventy five, and I thought I was like the coolest person ever. And to like, I used, to, I'm telling you, I used, to be, I used to be strong, guys. You would never that's know now because I'm like, I got, I got nothing. Two seventy five is a lot of
3: weight for a bro. I was on, yeah, well and, the gonna, Sorry.
0: well, and the Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I dropped like all my muscle right away because, like, once I stopped like lifting, everything just fell off my body, which I was fine with because I didn't need these massive muscles yeah. in the real world. But like, yeah, it was, it was super, yeah, it was, it was weird. But I also like, I love lifting. That was, that was kind of my thing. I also was like a power lifter in, in high school, um, cause as long jumper and whatever. But I like, I can't believe you lift that much and don't even really in, enjoy, I don't want to say enjoy it, but like, that's not your thing. <laughs> it's
3: not my thing though. No. I'd rather like run 30 bleachers than get a lift in really.
2: And you would do that.
1: Like, I feel like you would just, like, go do stadiums while I would be, like, trying to lift. (laughs)
3: Yeah. yeah. Wild. Well,
1: I'm glad that we had that conversation. Uh, We do want to get Victoria Garrick on the podcast, and I'm feeling like it could happen. I I feel like it's in our future, so we're going to put it
0: out there. (laughs) Keep reaching out out to her, because I feel like sometimes – I know she looks through her DMs, so – yeah, just keep doing it.
1: We had Zoe, Zoe Fleck on help. too, and Zoe Fleck was on her podcast. So we're gonna make we're gonna make it happen.
0: <laughs> Zoe's Zoe's incredible. Um, yes. She's like just one of the coolest, most interesting people in the sport. Cool. cool.
3: She's just so cool. Like it's like you're into the most random things, and it makes you kind of like yeah. really intriguing.
0: She, she's into so many. Like she's got tennis and pickleball and like the the I don't know how to call them. the, the rope like it's crazy crazy. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah she's awesome. Emily, I have one question for you before we do our last question. And I think it's interesting your perspective because you've been to so many campuses as an athlete and now as a broadcaster, you've been to so many campuses. What is your favorite campus slash college town in all of college sports?
0: Okay. Okay. I'm going to give two answers because I'm wildly biased toward Bloomington in Indiana, obviously, like growing up there. But I will say, like, I genuinely think it's the prettiest campus in the country. Um, I've been to so many of them. Sure. Uh, if if you, anyone hasn't been to Indiana and if you get to go to Bloomington, like walk around campus, the limestone. It's like everything is limestone because Bloomington's a like limestone powerhouse. Limestone powerhouse. That's not a thing. But whatever. they. <laughs> <laughs> We used to like mine limestone or whatever they call it. Um but it's right, actually right. it's it's stunning. Um so that's like my 1A, obviously, but again, wildly biased. Um I think secondly, I um see when I had your guys' Georgia game, I actually walked around Georgia. I hadn't been there. Oh my god, Athens is so yeah. nice. Athens, I,
3: is, like, Athens was, is amazing
0: like I that was my one walk of the month um I walked around Athens and I was just like I I was like moving I was like this is the coolest place ever I was going for miles because it was just it was stunning and to be fair it was like 75 and sunny so it was also beautiful out um but like the the rolling hills and I normally don't love I don't like brick a lot like I don't love brick buildings and a lot of their campus was brick but they also had the like classic southern like white pillars and it just was like mm-hmm. nice and clean and beautiful and green. Like there's forests everywhere. Um, so I would say that's probably my second favorite campus in terms of how pretty it is. Also, I'm biased toward Northwestern. Like, I mean, it's stunning. The lake's right there. You see Chicago. Like, it's just nice. But I'm not going to count that because, again, I'm just super biased.
3: <laughs> right. Yeah. Georgia is, aside from like the campus and like college buildings, like Athens itself is just so cool so the buildings the streets like everything about it's really beautiful
0: and they had a lot of like really good restaurants and fun bars they just looked like a super fun place
1: yeah every time that was like unanimous among our team like all every team we played on everyone would get so excited when Georgia away was on the calendar because we were like we loved Athens we loved going to Athens (laughs)
0: Uh, it's so nice. Well, also, yeah. I I was like not happy about the trip because Athens is the hardest place to. Get. I'm sure you guys like charter, but you know, yeah. So, we do. God, we yeah. My, no,
3: we do. But my oh, yeah. mom, my mom. So my parents, they like hop on flights for our games all the time. Right. But my mom refuses to come to Athens because you have to fly to Atlanta, and drive hour and a half. It's just so hard to get to. It's just, she never comes. Later,
0: I flew into Atlanta and then I, la- I land. Of course, at like 4 p.m. So there's traffic. It's like two hour drive out there. I'm like what is this place? So I was like super mad and I got there and it was fine, but my God, it's hard to get to like, put a put an airport though. What are we doing?
1: Yeah. I think that's got, that's gotta happen at some point. It's, it's too big of a school for them to not have an airport. Seems silly. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Well, this has been so sad. I don't even, or so fun. I don't even want to close it up, but we have our favorite question to ask you. Um, And like, I feel like you've already given us so many really cool things to take away. So I'm excited to hear what your answer is going to be, but for all of the winning women listening, what would be your best piece of advice?
0: I have so many. Um, my best piece of advice would probably be to never take no for an answer. Mm. And that could look like a lot of different things. So, you know, professionally, like always shooting your shot um, in whatever that looks like, like reaching out to whoever. Like I'm, I remember when I was looking for jobs, like I would just cold email, cold call people all the time and like kind of just forcing your way into, into situations. Um, and people say, no, great, you move on to the next thing. Like a one door closes, another one opens. Um, I think in, in so many aspects of life, it's so important to just like keep pushing forward. And if someone says no, then, okay, then it wasn't meant to be. Um, so you go on to the next thing. And I also will say like, I think it's really important to, and now this is easier said than done, but like to have confidence. And if you have to fake that fine, but like if you can just convert your mind to always being like confident and positive and, your body will follow, like whatever's happening in your mind, your body's going to do the the same thing. So even if you're tricking your body into thinking like, hey, I can go do this, whatever, or whatever it is, just being confident. And if that has to be fake confidence at first, fine, whatever, at least other people around you are going to think you're, you're super confident and know what you're doing, even if you have no idea. Um, like, I feel like half my job is... BSing people and not really but like you know like you got to just act confident like you know what you're doing know what you're saying and in any aspect of your life like good things will happen if you can tell yourself like you can do this um, find your why you know I always think back like when my I don't know when my, when my job gets tough or I get burnt out, like why am I doing this? Um, is really important. And just knowing that you're wherever you are for a reason and just continue pushing. Like, again, if someone says no to you, if someone wants to close a door, that's fine. It wasn't meant to be like, go, go to the next thing.
1: I love that. I love that. We, uh, we, (laughs) you knew I was going to say the C but Z and I term or coined the term delusional confidence one time
0: yes just being
1: like delusionally confident in every aspect of your life is it, kind of a game changer i think
0: yeah well and i think like when setting goals too obviously important to be like realistic and all that but why not have a delusionally high goal like okay worst case scenario you like get close to there or maybe you get baby steps to there but i think when you when you find you're setting these like smaller goals you like hit them if if you're you know a driven person you can make them happen like you hit them like quicker than you normally think so like why not have those far-reaching goals they might be delusional people might call you crazy but like in your mind you just have to tell yourself like i'm not crazy i'm gonna get there it might not be next year it might not be in the next five years but 10 years down the line like hell yeah i can get there
3: yeah mic drop. i love it drop, drop the, the mic, mic. <laughs> lsu Oh my goodness. I must tell this story really quickly yeah. and then I'll let you guys go. Last night we played at LSU and um, there was like their student section right near our bench. And one of our managers, Miriam, was like, Z, when you get a chance go look at the papers that are on the student section, and there was like, a bunch of flyers like on every every single um row of the student section and so like middle of practice like i don't serve so i just went over there in the middle of serve and i go to go pick up this paper and have my face on it and i was like what is this and it said
0: i can read it I, I can, i'll oh read my, it. I it oh my gosh
3: i got it right i hung it up in my room so okay. don't even worry <laughs> It says, <laughs> "I didn't play LSU last year because I was hurt." And it says, "Johnny Taylor was too afraid to play against us last year, but she's got confidence now from her new podcast. The podcast is called The Egg Girls Podcast, which is funny since no one follows it. She hopes to fall back onto podcasting when her volleyball career is over." Yell, drop the mic when she serves to remind her how irrelevant her podcast is. What? I cannot make is Isn't that crazy?
0: God, students. I don't actually, even serve. Students. They didn't believe. do their research. I don't serve. Ruthless. Ruth student sections are so mean nowadays oh my I honestly like I kind of love them I that's super like, super fun for them like kind of cool yeah but like damn, that yeah. you're ruthless what the heck I I
1: ruthless. was honestly so excited I was I was talking to Z this morning and that's like Z I don't know how many big their student section was but 200 maybe
3: I don't know irrelevant yeah. Their student's actually more irrelevant
0: okay, than our okay. podcast. I was going to say, as the students, like, how many students, like, that's not, is not very much. No, but you know what's great, is no. they
1: all looked up our podcast after that, they're all like, oh, what's this? <laughs> yeah, so yeah. we just, we just, oh, you're like, we benefited. <laughs> yeah. We it's like,
0: all publicity is good publicity. Period. Okay.
1: Yep. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. a good story, Taylor. Well,
3: Thanks. on that well, note,
1: Emily, thank you times a million. This has absolutely been such a pleasure, and um, I know I speak on behalf of both Z and I, but you are so talented at what you do, and we are so excited to uh, see what the next level looks like for you and just watch you as you continue grow, to grow with the sport, too. So we thank you.
0: Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. I uh, I appreciate it. I think, honestly, like, people like you guys make my job really easy. Like, Z, when I get to cover you, it, it makes it easy because you're such a fun, like, player and person. And it's fun being in this job because I, like, I just, I love the sport so much and I love the people in it. If I didn't, I would be doing a different sport. Like I don't, and I, I probably wouldn't like my job as much, but it's, it really makes my job easy and fun because I have the best athletes and coaches to cover who like care about the sport as much as I do. Um, so I appreciate it. It's, it's been fun. I I love it. And see, you guys are crushing it right now. So keep it up.
3: Thank you. I appreciate it. We're on a roll. Keep going. So I love it. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Emily. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank
1: you. Have a good one.
0: You too.